Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Well, we start another week. We made it through. Uh, I'm always on about like it's a big... <laughs> like I've accomplished something by getting through a weekend. I'm done. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the RGM podcast. With me, Carl Maloney. That guy from RGM. How you doing? You're eight. Yeah, we, we got through another week there. Um, I've, 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 I had that sickness last week. Not COVID now. The flu. The common cold. Um, so so I'm, I'm, I feel all like nice and that now. You, know? you don't realise how nice you feel until you feel bad. Do you? That sounded creepy. Apologies. Um, yeah, the the server thing's all sorted on RGM. I'm really happy about how that ended up. Um, switched it to a new server all on my own. I'm really proud of myself. I did something technical behind the scenes on a website. Hate stuff like that. It shits me right up. But it did give me the opportunity to tidy things up on the website and um, make it faster as, as fast as possible for you, the readers, that tune into RGM. The magazine, that is. And because you're a podcast listener, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you all to another show today. And welcome to the podcast where we delve into the grassroots music scene. We hunt out people with with some personality. We chat to them. We get to know them. We share that chat with you, the listeners, the podcast people. Um, yeah, warts and all. You know, we don't, we don't mince his word sometimes. We're honest about how we're in the real world, is what I'm trying to say, I think. And today, ladies and gentlemen, a big congratulations to our guest. She is, ladies and gentlemen, the brand new breakfast host for BBC Sheffield. Taken over from Toby Foster, a big name, you know. It's Ellie Colton. Uh, El- I've known Ellie for a while, and I- I've just seen how... We-, we talk about it in the interview. And, you know, how do you get like a job at the BBC doing radio and that kind of stuff? Well, it's hard work, let me tell you. And we talk about that in the interview coming up in a bit. So welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, here for another week. You found us, thank you. Uh, if you're a, a reoccurring listener, thanks for joining us again, ladies and gentlemen. You're in for a treat. If you're brand new, uh, welcome. The red carpet awaits. Uh, and you're in for a treat as well, of course. Uh, I had a, I was a bit disappointed this week. Uh, I had a guest lined up for the podcast. It, it was just like a random email that came through. And I couldn't make it happen. It was really, really... I'm, I'm, I feel... I wasn't as frustrated at the time, but like looking back on this missed opportunity, I feel a little bit frustrated. It was going to be with Will Young, you know, pop idol and all that stuff. Uh, it was going to be talking about uh, animal cruelty and that kind of stuff because he's got a campaign going on about it. I just couldn't make it work with work and stuff. Uh, things got in the way. It was really, really frustrating. Um, it would have been nice to uh, have a chat with Will Young, you know. You can't have it all, can you? You know. Um, but it's a bloody good job. I've got loads of other good guests lined up for future weeks, ladies and gentlemen. And some people have been asking for bands on Twitter as well. And we will make your dreams come true. I 
promise you. So if you're one of them that's been uh, messaging us a certain band on Twitter, it's going to happen. And I'm not saying who yet, because uh, it's not being recorded, so <laughs> don't want to jinx it, you know. But we've got loads coming up on the podcast. It's always a joy. It's my favourite thing to do that I've ever done, these podcasts. I just really enjoy them. They're, they're, really, a, lot of, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we join Ellie today. She's at home. She's with a pug. Uh, so the pug's there throughout the whole interview, just making noises and stuff. This tiny little rescue head face. Luna. Um, you know, Ellie's a really lovely lass, and uh, she's got a lot of love for this little dog thing that she, that she has with her. And she's really passionate about her career and getting into radio. And uh, she did do lo- like did loads of interviews with like for us back in the day during COVID and stuff. And we're, we're still trying to bring content out. Uh, and she's grafted since then. Uh, done a lot of work at BBC Manchester, uh, a lot of work at BBC Sheffield. And she's built up a reputation. And she talks all about the, which I found fascinating, the the, the actual job interview, the, the process you have to go through to get a job on a big, like, you know, uh, it, it's the biggest, like, time slot uh, within the station, so that was fascinating, so that's all coming up. So, shall we crack on? I think so, I think so. Ladies and gentlemen, my mate, Ellie Colton, take it away, pal. And this thing as well. And this thing, yeah, who's, who's your mate then? Tell us about your mate. So Luna the Pug is the most clingy, she's a rescue dog, she's okay. very clingy, she's right. got a tiny head, yes. it looks like I'm pulling her about, I'm not, but she's yeah. in, she's got the smallest head of any pug ever, she oh. likes to just that sleep, but she looks like E.T., <laughs> usually she just wants to sleep and we're just like this all the time, but she's very, oh, so right. if she makes like a choking noise, she's alright, it's oh, just pugs off this weird cough. I do oh, take it right. to the, and then she just wants to lick me. So okay, that's, that's all right. That's Luna. All right. Hi, Luna. You're all right, mate. Welcome to the world. <laughs> and today, as we record this, we are celebrating. We're trying to wear it pink. This is the closest thing I've got myself personally. Uh, today on Twitter, well, this, this is going out after anyway. But just so you know, why I'm trying to wear pink today. Music goes pink today, and it's all uh, it's Breast uh, Awareness Month yeah. as well. So we're we're just wearing it pink and supporting the the campaign today. Um, do you have any? Um, thoughts and feelings around Breast Cancer Awareness Month yourself, Ellie, while we're just introducing it? Yeah, I mean, let's count this lipstick as pink because it's really bad. I meant to be aware of the news, but I didn't know that was happening. But um, (laughs) my, like, everybody's had scares and stuff. And personally, I've not had anybody in my life that's had breast cancer, but I don't think that checking your boobs should be such a scary thing. Luna's going to just bark all the way through (laughs) this night. But yeah, I'd like... The fact that people are worried to check it. I know when you go and get a, a mammogram done, obviously I know you won't experience no. this, Carl, because you don't have no. breasts. Um, but people are scared because it like clamps them down and gets them in a vice and stuff. But I'm right. glad if it saves your life, do it. That's my yeah. message today. Oh, nice one, mate. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. I've been, I, I've known about you for quite a while, and you've been on quite a journey. You know, congratulations on getting the BBC Radio Sheffield breakfast job as well, mate. Congratulations. I know it's been just crazy because I've gone from sort of, I mean, five years ago is when I sort of joined the BBC just over five years ago. It was five years in May. And I never imagined that I would be able to stay on this long, let alone like get Mm. to today. And 
I've always thought that I've done rubbish in interviews and stuff like that. So to actually have sat through a couple of board meetings, because, I mean, I was doing an evening show, so I was just, like, applying for every presenting job that I could actually do. Mm. Um, And sitting through these board meetings, you've got the big wigs on, like, sat all next to each other asking you questions, and it's like, when's the right time to try and be funny? When's the right time? You don't want to look like some clown, do you? Just trying to laugh (laughs) all the way through it. Um, But, yeah, like, I started originally just doing a Friday night show with my good friend Joel Mitchell, who now works at Five Live and has done yes. stuff on Radio 1. Yay! Yes. Um, <laughs> and we did um, Hello Friday, which was such a stupid, ironic name because it was at the end of a Friday night. It should have been by Friday or Hello Saturday <laughs> yeah. or something, but we argued about that afterwards. And we did that for about two two years, something like that, just under two years, and then he left to go to Leeds. And then the pandemic hit and then I had nothing and I thought, oh, God, the dream's like over before it's begun sort of thing. And then they asked me to come back just after the pandemic to start producing, presenting Upload, uh, which did produce as well. But the thing is, when you're doing like a two-hour slot on a week, like actually getting up to doing it full time just feels so far away. And especially in local radio, like I know a lot of the presenters are, you know, that are doing it full time or at least mm. like 30 plus. So to sort of do it under that bracket, I didn't yeah. think would be something that would be achievable. And luckily it has been. Nice. Well, well let, let, we're, we're going to come to all the nitty gritty of, uh, I, I'm, I am interested in the, uh, the the actual job interview of, and actually pitching for a show as well. We'll we'll park that for now and come back to that. We'll tease people with that because I'm fascinated with that. But just just <laughs> rewinding a little bit, like before the BBC and that kind of stuff, Ellie. What what drove you to have this passion for radio as a young lass, just growing up and being in school Cousin. and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, so originally, when I was younger, I always was interested in film and things like that. I wanted to be an artist, but I was no good at drawing. And then I wanted to be a PE teacher, but my dad said, and he shouldn't have said this, because he's not, he is not misogynistic in any shape, way or form, but he was like, you'll be out of a job by 35 if you want to be a PE teacher. And I was like, "Mm, fair enough, because you've got to be like young and fit. I had um, a 60-year-old PE teacher called Miss Bow because she was fitter than all of us when we were like doing PE at school at 15. So I'm trying to remember my, I'm trying to remember my PE teacher. Yeah, Mr. Potts at at Myrtle Springs in Sheffield. He he were knocking on when we were a kid. Yeah, they, 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 they can get, you can have that career in PE. And be a bit exactly. older, but I just think maybe he he thought that because he's always worked in management and IT that that would have been a bit of a, a shoot down from right. the career that he had, which is so wrong. But I mean, bloody hell, being a teacher now, how difficult is it? So, right. like, respect to everybody doing a job in education. Yeah. And then I I started watching the news and stuff, and I just wanted to be Susanna Reid so bad. I can't okay. tell you, I was like, <laughs> she is the woman to be. Yeah. And I wanted to get into, like, film club and stuff at primary school. So I made my dad and my sister, who was three years younger than me, shoot, so she must have been about eight or something, shoot a video with me where I was a newsreader on the (laughs) kitchen table. And this alien had come in and, like, ruined everything and stuff. And I got Holly to sit there in a little alien mask, (laughs) my sister, and it's just... So that was the start of it, really, sort of round 11, 12. And where's that footage? Where's that footage now? I know, we'll have to find It's on <laughs> one of the, you know, the proper fat, like, un- before 2010 um, 
um, what are they called? Bloody hell, memory sticks that oh, are like, right, okay, yeah, like that yeah, okay, right, okay. being a bookcase somewhere probably. But okay. from then, I was, was actually thinking about like, oh, I want to be a journalist, I want to be this, that, because it yeah. seems like quite a posh profession when yeah. you're like, oh, be a journalist, like very like cool smoking cigs and drinking in the office, even though that's like... <laughs> way years before I would ever have been a part of something like that. Not that I was thinking about smoking cigs and drinking booze in the office at 10, but you understand what I'm saying? I thought it was cool. Okay, man. And then when I was, like, in secondary school, this this for me is just, like, a joke, and it's changed so much now because my secondary school have been in touch with me since I got this job and that, is that yeah. there was nothing. If you wanted to go into the media, do yeah. journalism, commentary, reporting, whether it was like print, online or broadcast, there was literally nothing like, no teacher that had any interest. They never brought any guests in to do talks and assemblies that they had every week or whatever. And then when they did, um, I don't know why I'm whispering as if they're not going <laughs> to hear me. <laughs> when, when they did mock interviews in year yeah. 10, so it would have been about like 14, 15, they said, we've matched you up with somebody to do with, uh, you know, your the career that you want to go in, media journalism. They put me with somebody from HSBC Bank. Now, right. Carl, I was very respectful at school. <laughs> but when I was sat with this poor lass from HSBC Bank, I was like, what? Like, I switched mm. off completely. And it's not in a rude way where I was like, ooh, well, I'm leaving, you know, sort right. of like delinquent thing. But I just thought, like, this is just the biggest waste of time. So she probably mm. thought I was just some, like, absolute airhead that didn't care. I mean, yeah. half of that was true. But then, and you can shut me up if I'm talking no, too no, much. Um, <laughs> but I, I started writing for Activate magazine, which is like a little mm. postcode magazine in SA. And the the guy that does it, listen to a snoring now, Luna, crazy oh. like a little baby, just did. <laughs> um, he's basically. I got in touch with him, this guy called Mike Firth that owns Heron Publications. I was like, I want to be a journalist. He was like, oh, you can write a voluntary comment column for us every month yeah. if you want. So I only stopped doing that this year. So that was like nine, ten years nearly of just writing these little, that everybody's grandparents yeah. read, and it was really, really nice. So from then, they asked me to um, start appearing on Cat Cow and Saturday Breakfast Show on Radio Sheffield because people would come on who were like, journalists or people of interest mm. not that I was a person of interest that sounds like I was wanted <laughs> to come in and talk about trending stories in the news that week and that was kind of like when it all properly started really yeah well I, I can remember having a, a similar kind of urge myself I didn't really know what I wanted to do I just I liked the idea of media and I did media at Norton College before that got knocked down did it H&D <laughs> at Norton College and um it's kind of where I, I fell in love with like radio and that's kind of why I still do a podcast now because I can remember the skills that I learned during that time to uh to create these audio things um and a lot of it was the film studies which I'd never got behind I weren't that asked about, I weren't that asked about analyzing films and you know that kind of stuff you know but there's part there's always parts of a course that you're just not as bothered about in there and that you just like you just like do what you just sneeze on you so it, it was there nothing like that around for you to support your urge to get into media no. no, like, first of all, my mum used, my mum worked at Norton College for like oh, right. years and years. So right. it was funny that she'd be working there and I'd be at the school opposite and stuff. But right. um, she, yeah, there was literally, like, I'm kidding you, there was literally nothing, nothing at all. And I don't know, there might have been some like 
nerdy little media club outside of the school that people mm. congregated around that I didn't know about. I say nerdy in a respectful way, by the way, because yeah. it is like a nerdy thing to, to get involved yeah. with. But there was like nothing in... I remember as well, like that the careers advisor at Meadowhead School, she's called Kerry, she still works there now. She's a brilliant, brilliant woman. Like she's mm. like, when I realised how many people they've got in since, they had like the BBC share your story thing and stuff yeah. that I was a part of, but didn't go there around. It's like, that's so good, but... She said you could do this sort of like BBC apprenticeship scheme, but you'd have to leave school. My mum would have had a heart attack. <laughs> and how old are you, you know, then? Oh, I think I was in 17, so it was right, first okay. year of my yeah. A-levels, yeah. yeah. So, but, I mean, before that, there was literally nothing. I'm not yeah. jumping over anything, but yeah. she said, you know, you could... I thought, bloody hell, if I left my A-levels... Because it was at a point where you did your AS-levels, but they didn't count. Mm. So it wasn't like you could just choose to do an AS-level and take that qualification. It was like, you did it, but it doesn't It doesn't yeah. count. You just do your full A-level. It was really yeah. whatever... So obviously I didn't do that, but at that point in your life when it's your first opportunity that you're offered, you're kind of like, should I just jump at that? Like, should I just do it? And I am glad I didn't because everything kind of fell into place after that anyway. Mm. And I mean, I was already, I wasn't already presenting by then, but I was already like going in and doing these little trending chats with Kat and stuff. You know, you think you've made it after you've been on the radio once and then you realise like, oh, I have to try a bit harder than that sort (laughs) of thing. Um, but yeah, there was like literally other than that apprenticeship, there was just nothing. Like that was it. Well, I, I, I can't remember the first place that I saw you, but I, I, I could see you were talented, and you did a few interviews with us, didn't you? For RGM, In, yeah. co- co- conversation with Colton, <laughs> we, we did a few of them, and that was, I, I, if I remember rightly, I can remember one of them was done on Division Street, social distanced. Yeah, uh, because of the pandemic and stuff. When we were, I so think we were still, they all were, you know. We, Sorry, I'm oh, talking that's, now. Oh, yeah, you did, yeah, you did a few at Botanical Gardens, didn't you, with a, with a few people? And I can remember it being like we we were trying to we were trying to create content somehow in a pandemic, weren't we? And we were trying to yeah. do it. Uh, we were trying to do it in a way that you know we could get away with really by being. So you have to have proper wide cameras because everybody's spread wide apart with masks on and stuff. Um, yeah, that that were that were that were in, in, interesting times, weren't it, for the industry? I suppose. I know, I know what I mean. With with all that, that was me, sort of like what I always tell people now. And I've done a few talks in colleges, which mm. is nice. Again, something I never thought I'd be doing is. Yeah. Don't just take your degree or whatever as like your only experience. Like you just yeah. need to go out and make stuff, even if you're not getting paid for it. Like just yeah. write your own blogs, create your own videos mm. and stuff. So for me, that was really good. And I used to take my sister out with me. She didn't, she yeah. hated it because she's so like <laughs> nervous and stuff. Yeah. Like so she, even though she works in like for the Department of Education now and she has to like, I was going to say own people, basically direct <laughs> okay. these stuff. So right, she's okay. confident now. But, I, I can only um, accept yeah, your first to, answer there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to get my two cameras out and just sitting, yeah. you know, we'd be sat there for like a good hour or yeah. so and then it was like sitting there and nurturing it and chopping it all up and then you're like, oh, like, you know, who's ringing me? Go away. <laughs> oh, my God, it's my st- the estate agents. I'm, I'm not doing that. Go away. Ah, <laughs> how do I get rid? Send a voicemail. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Has that it's just right. ruined the video completely? Oh, God. Um, I can't remember what's talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah so the, video. the videos. So it'd have to, you know, it'd be like an hour long or whatever, and then yeah. I'd have to take it down to like 20 minutes or something, like yeah. something that people would, you know, properly watch and things. Because the thing is as well, like when you're not, 
I mean, you're changing the shots and stuff, but when you're not like adding in sort of like animation or some kind yeah. of like graphics like you do, I mean, proper graphics, like not just like a little <laughs> thing at the top. Yeah. You, you sort of like, you don't want people to get bored and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was really fun and it was a good way to sort of get my confidence up because I'd be sat in the car beforehand just like really scared and stuff yeah. and thinking, why have I done this? This isn't me. Do you know what I mean? And then I'd do it and I'd love it and I'd be so glad that I spent... Yeah, we're doing that. So I, was, I'm like that still. After after all these years of doing these type of things, I still think like five minutes before, I just think, I just want them to cancel on me now. I can't be doing with this. It's too much. I just want to run away. I want to go over there. Uh, I need a poo straight away. What do I need to do? I'm panicking. Uh, and then you do, you do it and then everything's all right, isn't it? <laughs> I need a poo. I love that kind of humor. I need a poo. Yeah, that's the thing there. But then when you've done it, it's great. But you just, I get, you know, nervous before doing anything really. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, I can't tell you when I had to speak at these schools and stuff, the yeah. first sort of like public speaking I ever did was um, I got invited back to my um, secondary school's GCSE assembly yeah. where they get yeah. the certificates and stuff. Yeah. And you've got all these parents that are all proud and all these kids wow. that are, you know, too cool to listen to people at the front and even at 16. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know what to like. I was just, I was, apparently I was there to be inspirational. I didn't know yeah. what the heck I was saying. The only thing I could think to say was tell them a funny story about how I met Dick and Dom at, at the level at 2am <laughs> nice. in the morning. And like you could have heard a pin drop. There's yeah. about three people that laughed. I thought I'm going down yeah. here. It was tough, really scary. tough crowd. <laughs> proper, you are? proper tough crowd. Oh my god, the toughest. And the thing is, as well, is that when, when you do a job like this, and you'll understand this, you think it's the best thing in the world. You can't understand why somebody wouldn't want to do that job. But if yeah. people don't care about the media, people, some people mm. obviously don't even watch the news or whatever. Don't care about like watching interviews they're just they don't like they don't care who you are do you know what i mean yeah. so it's just she's trying to convince people for the first half an hour of whenever you're saying something at a place like that so it's daunting well it, it's it's one thing you mentioned there is like you recorded for an hour and, and we and i think it was my instruction to do it to do it short and snappy 10 minutes 15 minutes i've completely yeah changed the way i think about interviews these days I, I i think the short and snappy things are more old school now i think more long form conversations where things could just go anywhere i think they're more attractive to people i think they i think they consume media in different ways people their, their attention spans you know it, it, that my, my interviews go on for like an hour sometimes you know and people, <laughs> and, people and people just listen to it in the car they listen to it out and about they listen to it at the gym, whatever they're doing, uh, and they'll listen to it whenever they want. So I, I think the more long-form ones are more um, engaging these days for people to like really invest in somebody and get to know somebody rather than just a quick question with a band about asking about their favourite biscuits and shit, you know what I mean? Oh, tell me about it. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. I think that's something that has come out of the pandemic is people have yeah. so much bloody time on their hands. And now it's yeah. like, it, you know, a lot of people are still half working from home or whatever mm-hmm. and like on the break you know i know you want to screen a screen break and stuff but you might just listen to a podcast and sit and yeah. or just have it on the telly so that's the thing that's, that's, that's completely me on my lunch i'll go down and watch a, I watch a video podcast or something just some american yeah. comedian or something or whatever it is yeah i love it she, she loves it as well, even oh, though she screams at the telly all the time. Is, there she is. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, attention spans. Uh, so, yeah, so do it. So, conversation with Colton, that that kind of, we, it, it, we did all right, didn't we? We did the best of what we could. It, lockdown, yeah. it was something to do, weren't it? While <laughs> while the world were asleep, it felt like. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what kind of, 
like you, you mentioned the interview for for BBC there, and BBC have got uh, a. Uh, it, it feels like the BBC can be quite restrictive with what you are and what you aren't allowed to say. Is there like a an instruction guide? <laughs> well, <laughs> how's all that work? For, for definitely, oh, she's lying down now. That's good. Okay. She's you've, you've soothed her call with oh, your lovely voice. She's finally settled. It, there are guidelines, one hundred percent, and it's different for freelance and staff. So all the right. stuff with Gary Lineker that we saw in the past year, mm. where he, you know, was describing the tone of somebody in Parliament's rhetoric, and then yeah. it got compared to Nazis, and it, all this thing just totally yeah. unfolded and exploded online. So then they, they've recently, as in like in the last month, had a massive review on what freelancers can say and what BBC staff can say. So I'm moving into BBC staff now. Yeah. But even before, I wouldn't have been writing anything controversial on Twitter because mm. this yeah. is the difference as well, is that if you, if you sh- share an opinion on... I don't know, your favourite place to go on holiday. I know it yeah. seems really obvious, but this is where people get confused. Like, oh, it's a free speech. What are they allowed to say? You're being censored. It's yeah. like, no, like, if you understand what you can and can't say. So I can, you know, say, oh, I really like, I'm talking about biscuits now, this okay. particular biscuit or okay. something or particular holiday destination or my favourite dog groomers or whatever. Yeah. It's different to you saying, you know, and I'm not speaking from experience here because I have no political affiliation. Yes. But if you started saying like, oh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the, the Green Party, like I want to join it someday. Mm. It's like, well, that's the difference because then you're sharing an opinion that would sort of like make your audience think that you've got an agenda. So right. whenever, or if you had a Green councillor on your show yeah. and you were like being really lovely to them, but then you got a Tory one on and you were absolutely going in. Yeah. Like, you just can't do that. It's the same on air as it would be, like, online. So I understand why people feel restricted. I do, and I feel like I can say that without it being controversial or without giving too much of an opinion Um, because you do sort of second-guess what you kind of can't say sometimes. But if you just think about it, then you're all right. What's the main difference between freelance BBC staff and what they can say compared to, like, BBC staff? What's, what's the main difference with that bit? That's so if you are if you work in freelance yeah but you work as like a freelance sports presenter you're allowed to express opinion but not to like an extent where you could still say you know what politics you're into i think people kind of draw the line at politics like if it was something about you know, that goes without saying, like, trans rights, gay rights, yeah. anything to do with, like, you know, the rights of disabled people. Yeah. Obviously, that's not a political thing, that racism, again, it's yeah. not political, it's right and wrong, do you know what I mean? Mm. But then when you, you're doing something, talking about something where people have a choice to be one way or the other, like the fact yeah. that we vote, we have a choice, then it's like, it's an opinion. But kind of with BBC staff, you are sort of like locked into a box with that. But I personally don't have a problem with that. I don't want people to think mm. I'm saying this. And I'm like, I'm in a cage. Yeah. I don't think that. But then when you're freelance, you do sort of have more leeway. Like if you wrote something and got called into the office and they're like, mm, I don't know if I agree with that, then you could argue, you know, well, I'm freelance. And mm. if you think I worded it too strongly, I'll just share my views in a different way. But that's when if you look at people who are BBC staff on Twitter, I've not changed mine yet, but they always go... Um, all views mine yeah. so that if somebody did you know try and take him to task with it then they would be like oh well it's just my views but again they're still Le- legally that should sort it if you've just put a tagline on twitter that should sort any problem yeah. out surely 
<laughs> yeah, just say, mm, if I say anything wrong, it's just my <laughs> yeah, opinion. Yeah, it's not to remain, not to just, just going back a little bit, a question I forgot to ask you. How important do you think, um, sorry, what magazine was it that you said you did, your, you've only just uh, hung up your uh, coat with again, like you were doing for a number of years there? What was the name of the magazine there? Activate. Activate, so yeah. So how, how important do you think... Uh, magazines are like that for people that are looking to progress and you know even RGM in a way you know like for people to learn how to write and get into media how important are those things for 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 budding people that are looking to get into the industry I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you even though people might think that but I wouldn't have got my job at the BBC had I not first been involved with Activate and then obviously continuing and doing stuff with RGM as well because I was doing stuff with you during a time where I didn't even have a job at the BBC because I was on that break between the pan- mm. when the pandemic started and then them yeah. actually bringing me back. But if I didn't start doing Activate again, which is like, you know, people say it's like a smaller magazine than yours because right. it's a postcode magazine. You can't really view it online that well. It literally just goes through people's oh, doors. Yeah. It's just a free magazine. Yeah. It's like if I didn't start doing that and I hadn't met Mike, who had this, you know, loose connection at Radio Sheffield to then get me in the building in the first place, then it doesn't matter what degree I'd done or what other experience, you know, I'd I'd had. Like, I just, I wouldn't have even got the experience because I wouldn't have been in the building. So people underestimate, and again, this is something when I say when I talk at colleges and stuff, people underestimate how powerful it is to just get experience young and doing it with yeah. somewhere like a magazine or like people straight away oh, I want to be on TV I want to be on radio well that's not yeah. realistic like mm. starting somewhere like this and the fact that you're you're not just a magazine like you've opened it up you're doing these visual podcasts like you go out and yeah. do interviews and stuff it's like you can be a magazine and still be multimedia do you yeah. know what I mean oh, yeah. so massive and if if anybody is thinking you know like oh i want to get into journalism or you know music reviewing or whatever just starting at a magazine because more often than not like they need the the little younger people to come in and start doing the stuff that maybe they they can't get down on a daily basis and stuff and they'd be happy to do it so do it email carl at rgm.press if you are interested in it as well you know whatever what one thing i do see though and uh you you kind of sometimes have a bit of a high turnover of people that send you an email and they're all passionate about writing but once they've done it a few times once they realize that it's quite hard work it's it's quite time consuming there's deadlines and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff we try and keep it as professional as possible uh even straight away with the new people that want to um, you know, work with us and we'll publish their stuff and give them experience and and, and coaching and that kind of stuff. The the a lot of, a high percentage kind of like disappear and just like don't contact you and that kind of stuff. So that I don't think people appreciate how hard work the industry is and how unglamorous it is at some point. People like the idea of writing, but when they realise it's hard work, they they soon find other things that they're interested in. It's it, it, it is a tough business, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, people always assume that if you work in the media and like, and I'm not in any way, shape or form saying that like I'm in the public eye or anything or that, you know, you do a job where it's like um, something that seems fun, which it is that it's like not hard work and it's just, it's crazy. I mean, writing, again, it is so time consuming, but what you're writing has to be good, which I know sounds really obvious, but it's not about just sitting there for three hours and pumping any old whatever out. You have to, you know... 
write something that people are going to want to read, that you're going to be happy with, etc. All that kind of stuff. Mm. I might have to let her out for a week. That's all right. Do whatever you need to do. I, just want, I feel like if I let her out downstairs, she might scream. Do you agree? Can you imagine that? I'm just going to Go do on, the quickest run ever. Whatever you need to and do. And I will be back. Just give me one sec. You're welcome, mate. Well, so Ellie is just letting the dog out at the minute, ladies and gentlemen. Um, little pug face. Um, I've got. I, I had a. Uh, my cat's not been very well recently. Fernando cat, and I bought some new trainers the other day, um, and I just had them out. I just tried them on, you know, they fit in that nice one, um, and then I put them down on the floor for a bit, and then I heard this. <clears throat> And I thought, oh no, what's that? That's cat. That's cat noise for not being very well. Look round, and the cat. I'm just telling the. I'm just telling the people about Fernando cat. I got some. I got some new trainers. My cat called Fernando, uh, and it, and it would just instantly sick br- right in to be brand new trainers. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I don't know. I'll leave that story. That I'll just just fill in a bit of time while he was like, is the dog okay? Yes, she's outside, but yeah. she'll walk back in and she'll chill in the living room because <laughs> otherwise she'll just be running all over yeah, again. Okay. But so I love ha- that your cat's called Fernando, by oh, it's the way. Got Fernando and Rita. Yeah, they, we, we went for one cat and ended up getting two because there were two left. You can't leave oh, one, no. can you? No. Yeah. You did the right thing. Yeah, yeah. So where were we? Yeah, so it's hard work, the industry, isn't it, mate? Yeah, and especially with people who imagine that they're just going to like walk into, oh, God. Like, the amount of people that you meet with egos, Carl, you must be exactly the same. Like, yes. I can't even tell you, working in a BBC building, and God, I love my job. I love everybody I work with, and I yeah. genuinely mean that. Obviously, there's people that you don't know as well, or I want to say I don't get on with anybody, but there's people that maybe mm. aren't as talkative at work, so, like, you yes. wouldn't just go and bother them with, what did you do last weekend, because yeah. they don't care. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, the amount of egos, oh, my God. Yeah. You'd think you're on like the Hollywood red carpet or something. Yeah. It's like these people that come in, you know, do a couple of shifts or whatever. I saw it more when I worked at Radio Manchester, do a couple of shifts. And then they think that like they own the space or like yeah. they do an evening show and they think like, you know, I'm the big shot. And it's like, you're not. This is the thing Like, I, as somebody who's worked in evening shows for five years, yeah. it's not like I'm, I've got a breakfast job and I'm like, you know, saying, oh, there's no point doing that. That's all. Like being on an evening show, you're like a nobody. I don't mean it like that because then I'd just be putting myself down. I don't want to do that. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? But you have to understand the hierarchy. So even people, I, I have, I have work. told, I have told Christian Carlisle off for this. By the way, I'm only joking, Christian. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, though. It's like it's so hard to get in in the first place, and then when you're in, the last thing you want to do yeah. is come across as like you, you're really big headed. You've got to just lay low, work hard, and then if you get mm. an opportunity, run with it. Because get it, just getting there in the first place. Like Carla, remember when I was with him, my ex boyfriend, who split like over two years ago now. Mm. And his dad had just come, moved up to Manchester him, and I'd been been at Radio Manchester about three months, obviously still working at Radio Sheffield. Yeah. And he was like, have you presented a show there yet? Isn't that what you want to do if you present yeah. a show there yet? It's like these people that are presenting full time have been there for, forever, right? And then there are people that have been there for a couple of years that are top of the list to cover. Why would I walk in after three months? Yeah. And yeah. be covering a show. It just yeah. here she comes, bumming out, <laughs> opens the door, and everything. <laughs> I love how she just walks in like she owns it. I know. But yeah, it's yeah. it's so hard. So 
the, the bottom line of this is the yeah. thing that I'd say the most is that if you are genuinely passionate about it, yeah. and I know it kind of sounds like I'm giving a careers talk anyway and you know what's coming next, it's good. but if you are genuinely passionate about it, you just need to put the work in and stick at it. Don't do something for like three months and think, oh, I don't like it. Do something for a year and then realise you don't like it. Yeah. And think, do you know what, actually? I, I gave it a shot. I gave, you know, six months to establish myself, six months to see what happened. If it didn't work out, it didn't work out yeah. fine. Or, or go to a different organisation, company, yeah. and just sit somewhere that isn't right for you, you know. Yeah. You're all right. We've now. had people come through the RGM world. They're, they're right for The Guardian now and that kind of stuff. They're, they're getting paid work for, like, you know, the big boys. So so, so, so it, 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 it does... it. it we, we try and be as we, we've got guidelines and you know like the bbc we, we you know we, we've got certain things we want to say we, we try and be honest with uh bands as well and offer critical co- uh constructive feedback uh, with bands and that kind of stuff which is harder even harder to do as a new writer because you haven't you've probably not developed that skill yet so there's mm. all there's always an area where you can challenge yourself and and get better at it but you are right you know some of these writers write two or three things and then they're off they think oh i've done that um, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I've got a mother family. She's all right. Oh. Shut the door. God, this is like a carry-on sketch. I do talk about your cat being sick. I'm needing to go out for a poo. People coming in. It's like that bloody meeting on BBC News where the guy's kids all came. Oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I can remember that one. And, <laughs> this and, is our patient. And then they do. Uh, um, what we're on about then? Oh yeah, yeah. So they do, they, do, they write about two or three things, and then they, 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 they kind of think, "Oh, I've done that now. I'll move on to the next thing." And then you see them not do well. So you just think that their heart's not really in it. It's not what they really want them to do. They just like the idea of being published in a music magazine for a bit, and then that's that. But you made your way into the BBC, mate. You got you got your foot in there. What was the first like? Because like just following on the socials recently, you, you've covered for like loads of different shows in Sheffield. You must be like on call and just be like, right, I've got to be in Manchester in like uh, an hour somehow because I've got a show to do that I've just been booked to do. You must have been like, it feel, It looks like online that like you've been pulled around quite a lot and you've grafted and you've just made it happen for you and being available for everything really in the BBC to learn as much as you can. That's how it feels from watching you online. Well, I'm glad it feels like that because that's how it is. To be honest, people just, people always say to you when you start any job, they're always like, just say yes to everything, be Mm. available. And it is just, that's so true because if every, you know, third opportunity that I got had said like no to, I probably wouldn't have been like even in the running to be the breakfast because you have to, unless you're ill, right, then I, I do believe in like putting your health first and stuff, but I just think you've got to be available. Like I got um, this because I was living. I'm living in Manchester at the minute. I'm literally okay. moving just before my show starts mm. because I moved up here, and I was working six days a week in total for the last two years. Which yeah. is like because with me, and I'm saying this like I know when some people say they've got chronic fatigue and they're like you've got chronic fatigue and yeah. they they don't understand it because I've got endometriosis. I genuinely do have oh. chronic fatigue and like yeah. when I am not working, Carl. I'm, I'm in here, you know, yeah. I'm conked out, I'm asleep, yeah. but I don't have a social life. I've only recently started, like, you know, now I've, I've had a bit of a change in shift pattern and I don't work Saturdays. I used to double shift on a Saturday and then do yeah. a full weekend on a Sunday. I'd just, just be dead, yeah. you know. So it's it's been it's been hard and it has been two years of, like, really, really hard graft. But at the same time, I've managed to work in Nottingham, 
um, Nottingham. I say that like my mum because she's a cockney, <laughs> Nottingham, Nottingham. Uh, I've worked, I presented at Stoke three times. Yeah. What kind of, what a weird place is Stoke, by the way? I know. Have you ever been? I, uh, I went on a meeting with work once there. Uh, it's a nightmare to get to, for one. Um and uh, I couldn't park anywhere, but I can't really say out because I live in Manchester and it's same here. Um, they didn't seem very friendly to me. This northern bloke trying to like ask questions about where do I go. Um, but ayo, you know, Stokes a Stoke. Oh, I do know one last from Stoke called Lissy Taylor is an amazing artist and a really talented, yes! really talented yes! lass. Uh, and I loved her accent because she sounded a bit like Robbie Williams a little bit, and I just thought, oh, that's quite. I, I didn't think Stoke had an accent until I, uh, in, in, I interviewed Lissy Taylor and then and then heard the I said, oh, that's quite unique. And then and then I started yeah. to like Stoke again. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I only knew of Lissy because uh, she came on when I, I covered on Stoke three times on right. the evening show and it was kind yeah. of like, you've got three hours, what do you want to do? Because yeah. you produce it as well there. Mm. Um, so I got her on for like 40 minutes, just chatting, played a couple yeah. of the tracks and stuff. I thought she's ace, absolutely she ace is. and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, in Stoke, it was just, I just thought it was a weird place, man. I'm not like slagging <laughs> off the people. I just thought it was like a weird place anyway. So, not in Stoke <laughs> and then Leeds. This is what I mean about being available. So, what, bef- I knew that I had the breakfast show about at least like eight weeks before it came out. Yeah. And then Leeds started ringing me because my editor was the same editor for Leeds and Sheffield saying, yeah. oh, can you come and present the Sunday breakfast show? And I was, like, working till 9 o'clock the night before, and I was like, hmm, so I've got to get up at, like, 3. Nice. Um, and I'm, I didn't go to bed till, like, half 10, which I know doesn't sound very hardcore, but... It does. For me, it, it is, you know what I mean? It's mm. like, but then you just do it and you have a laugh, and I've never... I didn't even know what the layout of the show was, yeah. but you just have to go in there. You know, everybody can read. You just trust that you can read, and you just sort of, like, get on with the yeah. show and ask questions as, as you're kind of going along with it. And and then obviously working at Manchester for the past two years, I was doing like reporting, producing, the odd presenter shift, pre- pre- um, reporting for Brecky, presenting for Becky, Brecky and stuff. And then it was just mad. And do you know what? I, the only thing I don't like about being available all the time is it's great that you're your months are always stuck with stuff because as freelance, you have to say yes, yeah. otherwise you just won't be working. Yeah. But Monday, Tuesday, I'd be, you know, working, coming back at like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Wednesday, I'd be planning from home, which was nice because it's like, you know, I can actually do that from bed. Don't yeah. tell anybody. But then Thursday, Friday, I'd be getting up at 4 a.m. So your weeks were like mad. And then Saturday, you got up at 7 and then I wouldn't be back till like, Nine. I mean, I come back about three just after my first shift to let Luna out for a wee and poo, as you know she needs them. And then I'd just be back out. And then again, that's not fair on her. Like not making yeah. it all about Luna. She's just chilling next to me. But the f- I've always wanted a pug for- forever. Like I've got memories coming up on my Facebook from eight years ago saying, "Oh, pug's amazing." And the fact that I had to leave her like that is yeah. just, you know, upsets me. So when I- when I move back. To Sheffield, and then you know I'm I'm out at like four anyway, well half four or whatever, and then I'll be back by you know twelve. So really, she'll sleep till mm. ten. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. only been left alone for two hours, then I'm with her. How do you, how do you get time to as a young lass yourself? How do you get time to enjoy yourself and just do what young people do? Uh, I don't. You don't. Okay. <laughs> do you do know what? Like being serious though, I I've put 
And I do mean, I do, sometimes you meet people and they're like, if you want to make it in this industry, don't go out with anybody, don't like, as in don't have a relationship, don't have don't have yeah. distractions in your life and all this. Why you live so miserably? That's weird. I don't like being company, that's the thing. I don't think I'm annoying. <laughs> I can't be annoying to yourself, but I don't like being on my own and that's so okay. I think I've worked so much and I don't mean this in like some inspirational way it's just like facts I've worked so much that I've had to say no to so many of my mm. friends plans like one of my friends god bless her she's got it all down she's 20 literally 24 and she's got a house she's married she's pregnant with her first child right. <laughs> got another friend who's got a second baby on the way another one that's engaged that everybody you know has got yeah. their own houses I mean still renting and stuff so at least I'm on there I'm not living with my mum and dad like but um I've had to say no to so many times of going out or when they've arranged to all just meet up at the pub or whatever. Mm. And I regret that so much. But at the same time, it's like if I hadn't have done that for two years, then, and I don't mean it in a selfish way. God, I love my friends. I talk to them all the time on like our group chats and stuff. But if I hadn't have sort of said no and worked the Saturdays and then worked here really in the week and stuff, mm. then I wouldn't have been able to be open to and and now I've got that like this is the first time Carl in five years as of November 6th that I'm going to have the same shift for five days and a weekend so it's taken its time but it's paid off you're going to have all these afternoons when you can just like meet somebody up for I don't know whatever whatever you do in the afternoon (laughs) <laughs> whatever you do yeah just a bottle of vodka in it no it's just, it'll be nice it'll be so nice just to have that time and actually on a weekend yeah. think oh my god like i can go and meet my friends i can yeah. stay over at the house like with 10 again and stuff and it'll just nice. be i'm ready for it man no uh, well you, well you deserve it and you, you've grafted for it and, and, and you don't get anything without working hard in this industry do you no when people like i was saying before sometimes just expect things and they yeah. think you know, they make the mistake that once they're in the building, they're just going to climb now. And it, it isn't like that. You do The one thing I will say, right, is the attitude of people. I have mm. never, ever believed in being nasty to people right. in order to, like, you know, try and make them doubt themselves so that you can sort of climb higher than them or putting other people's work down and stuff. And I know it sounds like I'm doing some kind of anti-bullying campaign at school right now and it's really cringe. But it's so true because you meet, and I won't say where because I'll get in trouble, but you meet people at work who just talk down to you that can be like 10 years older than your max and they just talk down to you and they don't believe in anything that you're doing. They'll take apart your work. And trust me, mate, I'm open to constructive criticism always because you have to be, but there are people that will just talk down to you and stuff. And I hate that and I couldn't imagine like being that person, do you know what I mean? Mm. Being that person to sort of like just be purposefully nasty to people at work. I just think, oh, my God. Or or you'll have had this as well, maybe like when you were um, like growing up and stuff, is that when you ask people for help and they sort of like ignore you or don't want to help you or don't want to give you people's emails, you're like, I'm not coming after your job. Just help me out. Like I've always thought that as well because I do get – you know, sometimes I get people messaging me on Instagram like, oh, how did you get into the BBC or, you know, and, and they, they don't, like, I'll tell them and then they just won't reply and I'm like, oh, that's a bit weird. Did you just yeah. want to say hello? Um, or yeah. sometimes, like, I'll tell them and then and then they just expect it to be this, like, one straight route and they yeah, get frustrated think, yeah. when it's not. And you just think, like, but well, I'm always there to give people emails to help people yeah. and do stuff like that because, yeah, when you get sort of shouted... 
I'll tell you this one thing. So I won't say who it was because I don't want to do that. But I, I told somebody that I was going for the breakfast job. And they said to me, they just didn't really like say anything. And uh, and I said, you know, like, I don't think I'll get it, though, because then I got nervous. I was thinking, do they think I'm, like, really full of myself? And they just went, right. And that was the end of that conversation. I was yeah. like, that's so rude. Like, yeah. you didn't say anything. And then I said, oh, I don't think I'm going to get it. And they were like, right. As in, like, yeah, yeah. I think that. Do you know what I mean? And I just I thought, um, I am... I talk to everybody at work, like I'm everybody I make an effort with. I always mm. have because, you know, when people say to you, or, you know, be nice to people who are like under you work wise because they'll be like on top of you one day. That yeah. sounds like a weird sexual <laughs> thing. Um, but that's like just to be like a nice bloody person. I think, yeah, and, yeah get, get that kind of response. You just think, oh, like you don't deserve the success you have, kind of thing. Have, have you always, John, have you always had your, your eye on the breakfast show then? Has that been one of the, one of the like, I want that job. Have you had that? Do you know what? Genuinely, no, because I I didn't even think that that would ever come up. I all if people said to me, you know, when you have your sort of quote, well, you, obviously you don't because you're self-employed and you're kind yeah. of your own boss in that respect. But if you have like a conversation where it's like, where do you see yourself in six months' time, yeah. and you have that with your boss and that. Then I always said, like, oh, my dream is to be, like, a full-time presenter and all this stuff. But I genuinely never thought that that would come up and would be, like, available to me because, you know, it's only because of all these changes within the BBC and, like, the structure of it and the afternoons are being shared between certain cities now and what breakfast and mid-morning are staying the same and... I never, like even when applying for it, but then I got some really good advice because I'd done a couple of what they call boards interviews. I did three in total um, for three different jobs. And then on, after my second one, I, I started to sort of like doubt myself a bit. And then my last one was the breakfast show. And Dan, who's like our um, executive producer, he's like the sub-editor, was like, if you go in there and you have no confidence, Ellie, they're not going to, yeah. to take note of anything that you're saying. Like, even if you really think you're, you know, he didn't say this, but think you're crap, basically. You've got yeah. to go in there, like, you know, when people say, oh, as if you've already got the job. And yeah. I did that, and I managed to get it. I was like, there is nobody that can do this other than me. I'm going, like, yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, saying what, all that kind of stuff, and it was just it was just mad. What's the interview look like? So is it like a normal job interview? Do they, like, tell me about a time when you succeeded in this, when when ratings were low and you we needed a boost for rating? I don't know. I'm just trying to guess what a BBC person would say. What, what, <laughs> what, what does the interview, like, process look like? Is it like, yes, it, it's not just three blokes behind a, a, a table, is it? No, there's women now. There's women in the know, BBC, but... right? Okay, got you, right, fair enough. <laughs> see how far we've come yeah so they had like what would happen is you had to send off this big like application form right. and it was with your sort of ideas and stuff like that just for you know show features or um what you do for the area why you're the best person to represent the area and all that oh, kind nice. of stuff so you send that off and then you had to make a 15 minute demo yeah. you know usually when you're doing radio stuff it's like just send a five minute demo over 15 minutes i was wow. like god damn um and then you've got to think right what do i want to put in that so you had to make like you know something that was funny something that showed you being serious you know yeah. taking somebody to task so the other thing is is that if you don't have all this experience there's just no way that yeah. 
you're even going to get an interview for stuff because you have to show that you've already done it all for a job like that. But luckily, like you say, because I was just covering every Tom, Dick and Harry I could in every, yeah. every place, and I managed to have so. And it was fine that I was saying how highly it's selling on Radio Manchester in that demo because yeah. it doesn't quite matter where you've yeah. done it, you've done it kind of thing. And um, so, yeah, so I sent that off and then they were like, oh, we've well, got this interview on this day or whatever. First mistake I made, I was in <laughs> Sheffield anyway, but they sent me a Zoom link. So I jumped on this Zoom link. It was at 10 a.m., one minute past 10. There was nothing. I was like, <gasps> you know, you're just like frightened. You're like, oh, my God. Like, if you think you've missed the bus and stuff, you're yeah. just like, oh, my God, like, what's happened here? And then I sent my editor an email. I was like, oh, like, the Zoom link's not working. He said, oh, I thought you were coming in. Uh, I was like, black mark against my name. Now you thought I was coming in like, oh, no. But the thing is, I'm glad that I didn't because I had, like, 10 pages of notes in front of me. And you are allowed notes, but if you go in with 10 pages of notes, I think yeah. what you're doing, if you've got them stuck to your laptop here, 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 <laughs> yeah. here you sort of just look over there and do all that kind of thing. Right. Um, and it's not cheating because it's you that's written it anyway. Do you know what I mean? So you sat in this meeting. I had Simon, who's my editor, Katrina, who's the head of Yorkshire, um, and this other fella called Andrew, who's like, you know, head of commissioning and stuff. There's another woman called Chris Burns, who is like the head of like local and mm. stuff. So she was in two of them, but one of them, it was this big guy called Andrew for the breakfast show. And they, you know, immediately like, take your time, you know, don't. Yeah. say anything you don't want to say whatever and just like because they're trying to like calm me down but you get marked on and i suppose it's the same with any job interview you get marked on if you keep your energy all the way through yeah. so if they asked me a question that i wasn't sure about and i showed that i wasn't sure about it that would be me sort of like dropping and they knew that i was like lying about something do you understand what yeah, i'm saying yeah, like yeah. your body language changes so the whole time i was like, <gasps> as if I'd, like you know <laughs> drank 10 cups of coffee the whole way through kind of thing really sort of assured myself but they ask you questions like sort of um who will you be to the audience oh, so okay. on one of them I was, like, I was thinking do they want me to say like somebody that will inform and do all this yeah. and then and then i realized they wanted me to say stuff like i'll be the girl next door the girl that you can gossip to the oh. girl that you can moan to the girl that will be a shoulder to cry and all that kind of stuff so i said all that and then they'll say you know what what does what would the show look like with you? Mm. What would the show be famous for? That's always a question oh, nice. that you get in interviews like that. And I'm like, they're being really funny, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't remember it now. It was like 12, uh, 12 weeks ago, but yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then um, what kind of presenter will you be? Um, tell us about a time, you know, if you've had to deal with friction between colleagues, mm. how have you diffused that? And I thought, well... Everybody's got somebody at work that they've had a bit of a running with, so I thought, oh, here we go, you know. And it was it's somebody at a certain radio station that a lot of people have had run-ins with, so I thought they'll know who I'm on about here and yeah, it'll okay. be fine. They don't say any names or anything like that, so it'll let some kind of grass. <laughs> um, I had, obviously, experiences with that, and then, you know, mm. what was the most surprising piece of content that you've made? Yeah. Like, the word surprising, you're like, what does that mean? So you mm. kind of just have to guess, really. It goes on for about 40 minutes or so. Wow. And then... So quite an intense, quite intense I, I presume. I bet you were sweating on the way out. Oh. <laughs> I, when I get stressed yet, I can't... I, like, it's going a bit red here, but I'm not stressed. It's like my whole face will come up in, like... I don't want to say hives, that sounds yeah. ugly, but just, like, stress-like, yeah, yeah. red face. And so by the end of it, I look like I've run a marathon. I came sat in front of my <laughs> mom. Imagine. 
she said, I can't breathe, you know, like you're just so stressed out. And the thing is, when you're doing an interview as well, when you sat up straight, I mean, I'm sat on my bed, so I'm relaxed, but you're almost like breathing in the whole time because you're like, you don't want to relax kind of thing. And it was just, it was intense. It was scary. And even though the faces that I knew, you have to pretend like they don't know anything about yeah. you because they're interviewing yeah. people across like the board, especially what's happened with BBC Local. There could have been yeah. people in Surrey applying for that mm. job. So you have to, yeah, just be mindful of that and don't assume that they, they know anything about you. It was just, it was intense. And it's like, for me, who, I think I've said this to you before, like I am genuinely quite shy. Like I think yeah. a lot of people that work in media are quite shy. <laughs> so to be in that environment and be like, oh my God, I really have to push myself here was just, yeah, intense. But then when I'd done it, I was just, God, I, was, I could breathe, man. It was just the best thing ever. And then to actually have got it, I was like, who are you short? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did, did that person that turned the nose up at you, have they changed the tone around you? Well, yes, they've since congratulated have me they? and stuff. Right. Yeah, but that's the thing is that sometimes I think people that are like that don't realise how they're coming off. But then yeah. it was, it was, you know, well, it is the most important job opportunity of my life and they, they should have, yeah. like, you know, at least had the... Because I've not done anything to them. They could yeah. have at least just been like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Right. yeah. No, that's... Mm. I'm, I'm fascinated with the structure of a show and particularly like, particularly like local radio features sometimes. How do you do it so it's not like Alan Partridge? Oh, do you know what? I've been on that at least once, that hashtag accidental partridge on Twitter. I've seen yeah. your TikToks. There's a few on there and all. Well, exactly. But do you know what? Like The thing is with TikTok, I'm so grateful for it because yeah. I managed to get like 30,000 followers on it. I've not really been posting on it that much recently. It's yeah. more in the pandemic and stuff. And I do, all I could think at that point was, and I don't mean this in like a this sort of deaverish way at all, but like any attention is good as long as they're not going earth die or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like just you know to get the followers up was kind of again something else that you could mm. show. Like hi, I'm good at social media because I managed to do this. But yeah. really, TikTok isn't you being good at social media. It's just look, yeah. complete look. That's all it is really. I think actually getting sort of and not that thirty k is big on there, but big in that ish, and then. Um, I've literally forgot what you asked me already. This is what uh, from. Oh, what did I ask you? Um, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. How, how do you not be to Alan Partridge with, fe- oh, yeah. with features I'm, and I'm stuff like that? Alan Partridge. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> the thing is with local radio, right, is that you, unless you were like 50 plus, yeah. you probably wouldn't listen to it. And I'm very aware of that, which yeah. is another, another reason why people might think, well, why is some 24-year-old girl presenting a breakfast show on local radio? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But the point is, is that we just we don't want to just have chats about, and this is very Alan Partridge, just chats about, like, the community fair. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's important, but don't just, like, talk about something like that and, yeah. and you know, ask the same generic questions about things all the time. You must get that. You know, you interview yeah, yeah. people like, what was your inspiration for starting yeah. the band? And you've got to ask the questions yeah. and you just feel yeah. shit doing it because you're like, oh. But all that kind of stuff. So what the way that we have now viewed our new show, we were planning it yesterday, like it was in this meet for three hours and 45 wow. minutes, just sat there like getting it down, <laughs> is that 
we want to make it fun. Like, of course, we have to talk about what's going on. Everything in Gaza at the minute, you have to because you're mm. a BBC station. It's yeah. not like commercial where you just do that in the bulletin and then you're doing a competition for 10 yeah. grand. Yeah. It isn't like that. So you still have to, like, not shy away from that stuff, obviously. You, you know, you're um, a broadcaster. You have to yeah. give people the news and whatnot. God, I'm so illiterate and I've got breakfast <laughs> show on. <laughs> But we want to make it fun. So the way that we see it is the show, 6 a.m. till 10 a.m. You have, in all local radio stations on The Breakfast Show, 7 till half 8 is full speech. No music, just full speech, yeah? And that's been like that for forever, really. So between 6 and 7, we want to make that really interactive. People just getting up, they're walking their dogs, they're driving to work, all that kind of stuff. But they've got the smart speaker on in the kitchen, very modern. So we want to get like a really interactive game in there. And we were pl- toying with the facts that I love the 80s, anything 80s. I know like all my hair's falling out and it's like barely on and stuff. But So we wanted to make like an 80s game. So that's what we're going to do in that hour. And that's going to be the same feature every day. And then from half eight onwards, we're going to have a different feature every day. So it'll still be the same like throughout the week. Sorry, I'm literally eating my dog right now in my accent. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, after half eight, there'll be a different feature. Obviously, yeah. that will stay weekly. So it will be like one feature that Monday, a different feature yeah. that Monday. So it'll be like, you know, and then the same feature in the six to seven hour, just because... When the radar man comes around, who is like the person that looks at all the radio figures and that's how they find out every year, like how many people are listening. It's literally somebody that just comes around your house and says to you, what are you listening to? If you think each show has an identity, like, oh, on on Tuesdays they play that, you know, top 10 game or something. And it's Mm. like a bit of a rubbish example. Um, Or they were saying, what we listened to last Tuesday. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, they they always do that game on Radio Sheffield on Mm. Tuesday. It's about sort of getting that show identity. And I think that, oh, why, I'm sorry, other people are in me now. I've not got time. It's because, so I'm still doing my upload show at the minute. Yes. Right. Which I'm, I think I'm just going to be doing till I die, basically. Okay. Because nobody's organised somebody else to do it. Yeah. So I just sent my line manager a message saying, am I actually still doing upload next week? And she's ringing me now because it'll be like, I don't know, <laughs> are you? It's like, oh, I'll just keep doing it. for. Th- I love upload. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, you know, I know it's nowhere near as big as introducing or anything like that. But the amount of people that I've met and have come through and yeah. have said, oh, my God, you're the first person to play my song. I'm like, I don't know why, but it's like it's really built a community community yeah, and it's nice. it's really nice but with the Alan Partridge thing I think that the, the way that you most sound like him is when you interview politicians and you say yeah. something stupid <laughs> or you know or, or like you try and be like too pally with somebody yeah. like the representatives every time somebody comes on if they're from a theatre production can I get a part in it and it's like that sounds rubbish or yeah. like a presenter's always like oh I love you we're best friends now and you're like why are you yeah. saying that? You just yeah, sound yeah. stupid, yeah. right? Really not authentic and stuff. So I think just making it fun but not being cringe or yeah. sort of like yeah. out of touch with people and, you know, if they don't like something, we just change it. It's as simple as that, really. Yeah, is that, is that the biggest challenge then following, you know, Toby Foster that had the role for many years that the, the community of Sheffield are used to waking up with? Is that is that going to be one of the biggest challenges, you know? Um, winning people over a little bit, I suppose, because you're a new voice, completely different style to Toby, that kind of stuff. Is that, how do you see that transition? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's scary, don't get me wrong. And I think that um, he's been there 17 years. He's moving on to um, 
afternoons now. So we do regional afternoons yeah. two till six every day. And he is such an iconic voice because he's, he's got such a distinctive voice, yeah. first of all, that like people know him and the fact that he's a stand-up comedian that's yeah. like you know a breakfast show with a stand-up comedian like how the hell do you follow mm. that really yeah. so don't get me wrong i feel the pressure i am so aware that there's going to be backlash but rather than completely changing the show even yeah. though it's going to have a new look we'll just have to keep that again that fun comedic element like mm. you've always got somebody else on air with you like nick from the news we're going to have somebody else who sort of like comes in and does little chats with me and discussions and things who, who is part of the show like an on-air producer kind of role but initially i was just thinking like you know how do i try and get up to his standard which i know is going to yeah. take me forever yeah. and not like lose listeners in the process because don't mm. get me wrong on that first show there'll be people texting in like who are you what's <laughs> yeah. this go away where's the phone yeah. uh, you know but i think one of one of my things is that i don't shy away from being cheeky yeah. and i'm a big lover of an innuendo and a euphemism yeah. and whatnot and i genuinely think that that's how not like you don't hook people in by being like smutty, <laughs> but you hook people in by like showing them that you're up for a laugh. Yeah. You know, do those harder interviews, but if somebody sends in something that can be taken two ways, you read it the naughty way and yeah. you like have a proper laugh yeah. and basically say that you're like open to, to everything. Because yeah. I think that's the biggest thing with Toby is that he was, he, he was, he still is is known as somebody that like doesn't take any rubbish like yeah. he shoots for politicians or you know all the stuff that's been going on with the lead mill recently i know mm. a lot of people don't yeah. like what radio sheffield have been saying but he didn't care like you know he's saying what he wants to say because yeah. it's toby you know and i think in a way i have to learn to actually be as cutthroat as that because if you're a mm. breakfast presenter there's no point being there if you're just going to sort of be like yeah, that yeah. sounds about Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's difficult as well because especially with all the lead mill stuff, like my parents met in the lead mill. Mm. I love the lead mill, yeah. like, so much. And it's really sad to see what's happening with it. And I don't just mean, like, the whole um, Save the Lead Mill campaign. What I mean is, like, the two sides just constantly arguing. Yeah. One speaking to the media, obviously Dominic Madden speaking to the media, the lead mill on. Um, and I remember somebody from the, the lead mill emailing me and I was like, if you, if you just came on yeah. and like gave your side, and I understand why they don't want it because they said that, you know, their words get twisted, not necessarily by the BBC, but just mm. by any media, their words get twisted. Yeah, but like, I've, but I've asked them. You need to, yeah. don't you? Because if you've got somebody like Dominic Madden speaking up, who seems like, you know, somebody that is very factual, is very professional, he knows how to speak. If you've got somebody like that going up against you and you genuinely feel like they're doing you so wrong, you have to speak up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was emailing them like, you need you know, like, you like need to come on. And it wasn't because I believe one side more than the other yeah. because, again, BBC staff, I'm not allowed to. Yeah. But you have to show that. So I think that's the other thing is, you know, challenging people, not enough for them to, like, not want to come on the show again, but actually being like, well, this is the reason I've got the job kind of thing. And I think that's the, the best way to follow him is, is sort of come, come in with both battles, you know, and just personality and things like that. Well, Ellie, mate, I'm proper proud of you. Congratulations yeah. on the show, mate. I, I know you're going to smash it. I've got full confidence in you. I, 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 think, I, think you've got, I think you're the right person for the job. Sheffield's going to love you. Uh, and I just wish you all the best with it. And thanks for joining us for the show today, mate. Nice one. Oh, can't wait. Thank 
Carl, that honestly, bless you, and thank you so much for letting me do stuff for RGM. Thank you for doing this. Selena needs to say goodbye. Oh, oh is it? Let's have a look. She was right. asleep, but she's um. There she we says go. That. Look at that little face. It just reminds me of Men in Black. Pulse. Yeah, I know. Everybody says that. Oh, <laughs> my, one of my uncles was like, "What is that? Is it?" And it look at her. She, oh, Carl. I know some people think pugs are ugly, but she's just no, sweet sort of Anyway, she says goodbye and thank you. Cheers, Ellie. Cheers, Luna. Isn't she lovely? And Ellie, of course. <laughs> oh, we like to have a laugh on that, you know. So, yeah, we're back for another week, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoying ourselves. Uh, do delve into the uh, podcast on YouTube as well. You can see our little faces. You can see little Luna's face as well on this one. Um, nice. Um, yeah, join us on YouTube. All the video versions are over there too. Tell your mates, I've had an email, a lovely email earlier about somebody that enjoyed the episode with Rob Nicholson last week. When two boys talk about mental health, eh? How 2023. Uh, but it, yeah, thanks for the email, mate. And let me just get his name up. Don't want to be rude. I'm just Sorry about this, I'm just getting it up on my phone now. God, I've, got a new, I've got a new phone today and uh, I'm not able to find stuff easy. Oh, this is frustrating. <laughs> Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to find his name and I, it, it, was, it wasn't showing on my phone. It is David Hopkins. Thanks for the email, mate. Really appreciated you tuning in. Thanks, pal. We enjoyed the show and got a lot from the mental health chat that me and Rob had last week. Um, delve into the archives, have a look about, you know. Yeah, keep atting us on Twitter. It's my favourite uh, platform on the socials. Um, I don't know why bands don't... A lot of bands leave off Twitter. They're really missing out. Really missing out. Anyway... Uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with you next week. We might even have a bonus episode on Thursday and all, folks. Why not? So stay tuned to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I've been Carl Maloney, your host, that guy from RGM. Uh, have a have a quick look on rgm.press as well, our super fast um, bloody website. Well, that's got loads of interviews, new music, features. Well, what more do you want? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm babbling. I'll see you next week. Toodaloo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.